Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Kublup campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Good morning, good to be together. We're uh, certainly in a holy huddle this morning. And uh, yeah, good to be in the house of the Lord. Folk, each week uh, we're doing something... uh, from the sign language perspective, and so today we're going to learn about the word sin, S-I-N, sin. Oh, you know I don't need mine, actually. I'll just watch and I'll speak very loudly. Okay, so we're ready? Okay, so this is the word sin. Okay, because sin comes from the heart that is cold. So similar to the Egyptians way back when, when we describe about personal sin, it comes from the heart. Okay, so first can you give the context, the context of the good and the bad? Yeah. Okay, so first we have the good finger. Second, we have the bad finger. So when we so when we put on our hearts, that's our personal bad, our personal sin. Say as same as a cold heart. Okay, I don't care, you know, it's not interesting to me, this has no relevance in my life. But sins, sins, sin, that type of sin is a personal sin. Yeah, same as the person who turns away from God. Yeah. Fair. Same as the Pharaoh. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, sorry. Thank you, yeah, same as Pharaoh. Now, so the second sin. So now we're talking about sin of every person. So when it's on the and like that, it's describing every person's sin. So I suppose that would be sin as a noun or a verb, both. Both. Yes. Yeah, so it's the sins of the world. Yeah, good. So, folk, when you uh, use the one finger, make sure you use the right finger. I'm just reminded, um, Ken Naylor um, works in a in a aged care facility, and he's requested that if anybody has uh, jigsaw puzzles that you're not using anymore. Um, Please bring them, and uh, he's able to take them to the the aged care facility, and uh, you, the people can use them there. So if you if you have any, Ken will gladly use them. Okay. Well, folk, the last seven weeks we did a series on uh, the feasts in the Old Testament and how they relate to Christ and how they relate to you and me today. Uh, for the month of November, we'll be dealing with the issue of knowing God from the perspective of one John. Just a little bit of background. Uh, John the Apostle writes to these people, sort of at the end of the first century, he writes to them and he tells them about uh, who Christ is. They were under the impression that the more you know, the closer you are to God. And so that's why they're called Gnostics, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S, Gnostics, coming from the Greek word 
gnosis, which means knowledge. And so their perspective was, the more I know about God, the holier I am. And John writes to them, he says, it's got nothing to do with that. Because to know is to love. And so to know, he uses 35 times in 1 John. But he also uses to love 35 times. So it's not just about head knowledge. It's about knowing Christ intimately. And as you know Christ intimately, so that pushes you out to wanting to serve God. And so he writes to them. And this week, uh, this month, we'll be dealing with 1 John uh, and the different topics uh, that John uh, speaks about. And so today we deal with the word sin, S-I-N. And he writes in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 to chapter 2, verse 2, he says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Let me just stop there for a second. Look, when uh, we first came in this building this morning, it was dark. Darkness exists. You don't have to do anything to create darkness. It exists. When we came in, we turned the lights on. And by virtue that there is light, the darkness goes. Do you see what John is saying to them? Listen, you think you know God, but there is no light in your life. And so many of us try and live a life and say, well, I've got a problem with uh, smoking, with drinking, with drugs, with alcohol, with this, that. And so I need to get rid of that. And we work so hard in our own strength to get rid of that problem that we have. What John is saying to them is that when Christ comes in, those things go. Now, I'm not saying that's easy. It's a process. Because he says it in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, and I'll explain what confess means. And so he's not saying get rid of all these things, because that's hard work. But he's saying when Christ comes in, these things naturally go. Okay, and so that's what we're talking about here. And he wants them to get it that you know all these things, you Gnostics. But you're not putting them into practice because you don't know who Christ is. Once you get to know who Christ is, so things begin to take place. And so, in verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have sins of commission, the things, the sins we uh, do and commit, but we also have sins of omission. Now, what is the word sins? 
Well, the New Testament explains the difference between sin and sins. S-I-N is what we inherited because of Adam and Eve. That sin nature. Now, a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists won't accept that notion that we are born with a sin nature within us. Now, I'm not here to insult you, but I know that my little boy was born and he has that sin nature just as his father and mother had, has, sorry, had. Because we are born with that sin nature. You can see it. We don't need to teach our kids to be naughty. They are naughty by nature. We need to teach our kids to be good. But Christ came and took away the S-I-N on the cross of Calvary. But we will still commit S-I-N-S. The New Testament explains the difference between the two in their contexts. And so we are born with a sin nature and Christ came and did away with that. He took it away. But we will still commit S-I-N-S, sins. Hence 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins. And so what is sin? Well, we fall short of the mark. We fall short of what God intends us to be and do, which is to glorify His name. How do we glorify His name? We welcome Him into our world. And so that's what He's trying to explain to them. And so it reminds me of those sins of commission and sins of omission uh, about the Sunday school teacher asking her class, listen, what are the sins of omission? And uh, little Johnny stood up and said, well, they are the sins we should have committed but haven't got to do them yet. <laughs> well, friends, I wish it was just as simple as that. I don't know about you, but you know, it's difficult to be with people who are holy. <laughs> so true. Why are you laughing, sister? <laughs> because they make us feel bad. They make us feel bad. And many, many times we struggle with forgiveness uh, and unforgiveness. And so those things begin to tear at our heart. And so it's difficult to live in a, in a fallen world. Because... When we are with holy people, it reminds us that we are actually great sinners. And we don't like to talk about sin. But we know that life is filled with challenges. One of uh, the popular psychiatrists, uh, Carl Menninger, said that once, uh, if he was able to go into the psychiatric ward of most psychiatric hospitals and convince the patients that they have been forgiven for what they've done in the past, 75% of them could walk out the next day. We struggle with understanding what sin and sins are, and we struggle to accept or give forgiveness. And so how do you and I deal with this issue uh, with forgiveness? We know that to err is human, but also to cover our sins up is human. And it's not something that is spoken uh, about too popularly from the pulpit. Well, thank you so much for speaking about my sins. How do you know all about them? My late father would say, son, why do you look at me all the time when you're preaching? I'm saying, dad, I look at the whole church. <laughs> you know, it's not only to you, but it's the Holy Spirit that convicts us and makes us miserable. And I want to say thank God for that. 
Because if it's not the Holy Spirit that convicts us and comes and bugs us about our sins, then we'll just carry on going ballistic and saying there's nothing wrong with that. And so it's not really fashionable to talk about sin. It's something that seems to be outdated, you know, and uh, we, we begin to label certain sins with certain um, psychiatric and psychological. Now, that sounds so insensitive from me, but folk, you know what I'm talking about. We begin to label things. Well, if only I had a better upbringing, if only I went to a better school, if only my parents were a bit more decent, if only I grew up in a more popular environment, if only I had more money, if only, if only, if only. And we begin to um, recommit those things that our parents taught us and often didn't teach us. But we begin to uh, fall into the mold of the world. And we begin to bring in a, a truth that is relative. So there's no real truth. You go to our universities and many times in our classrooms at school today, truth becomes relative. No longer is two plus two equal to four. Two plus two can equal whatever you want it to be. And I can justify that, people will say. And so we begin to allow truth to be relative. In fact, the media pushes that. And we actually struggle with this whole concept of human depravity. You'll find psychiatrists to be able to justify why we do certain things. It reminds me of that great cricket player, Hansi Cronier from South Africa. A great cricket captain. And he, he was taking bribes. And they, they eventually said to him, why do you do these things? Why did you do them? And he said, the devil made me do them. So we blame the devil for everything. Meantime, it's the condition of the heart. Now, John was writing to people 2,000 years ago. There is no difference with you and me today. The condition of the heart. You know, we explore a whole lot of different things. And we try and find answers to them. But leave Christ out of the picture. We forget about Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9. That the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can fathom it? The quicker we begin to understand that it's a heart condition that allows us to work these things out, then we begin to deal with the reality. We begin to deal with these half-truths uh, that, that sin is fun, but it's not good for us because the wages of sin is death. That's harsh. Christophides. It is harsh, but what's worse than physical death is a spiritual death that's far from God, that God is not in the picture. And that's what John is talking about here. And so as we begin to deal with these, we begin to either deny it or deal with it. And if we deny it, then it brings about the self-deception. And one day we will face the facts of the consequences of our sins. And so, what do we do with sin? We have two options. We either deny it or we deal with it. Well, let me deal with those two options. Number one, if we deny it. Listen to what John says. If we claim to be without sin. In other words, when he writes to those people, he says, you claim to be without sin because you know so much about God. And because you know so much about God, you begin to put your spiritual side to the things of God and you begin to separate the physical side. 
And that's what we call um, doceticism. So uh, some fancy word. But what it does is it says that we segregate who we are as uh, people. That the spiritual side is good and the physical side is bad. Friends, you cannot separate the two. And so when temptation comes and knocks on our heart's door to the flesh, and Romans uh, talks about it all the time, Paul explains it to us, that it comes to the sarks, that's the Greek word, it comes to the flesh. The flesh is in opposition to the spirit, and the two of them are at war with each other, and whoever dominates, if Christ is absent, then it's the flesh that will dominate, and the body, the soma, will allow those things to be carried out. But if the spirit wins over the flesh, then we carry out what is good and holy. And so there is a war that goes on within our hearts, as Don Francisco says. It's a war that's tearing us apart, a war between two kingdoms and two masters. One of them must win. The other must give in. Jesus must be Lord of all. But if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we claim to have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. You see, this is quite possible if Christ is not present in one's life. And denial is a very popular choice today. Denial uh, with reference to the existence of sin. Denial with reference to the impact of sin in our lives. Denial of how huge sin is and how it can devour us. And how it can come and lead us astray because there are consequences that come from that. And we don't like to admit that there is a problem. And so bad things happen, we say, but you know what? We'll overcome that. Well, folks, the longer we sit and, and hold on to that, then the, the, the more it becomes inbred within us. And then nothing becomes bad anymore. It becomes part of our nature, you see. There's a story of the scorpion being a very poor swimmer, asked a turtle to carry him uh, on its back across the river. Are you mad? exclaimed the turtle. You'll sting me while I'm swimming and I'll drown. My dear turtle, laughed the scorpion. If I were to sting you, you would drown and I'd go down with you. Now, where's the logic in that? You're right, cried the turtle. Hop on. The scorpion climbed aboard and halfway across the river gave the turtle a mighty sting. As they both sank to the bottom, the turtle resigning said, Do you mind if I ask you something? You said there is no logic in you stinging me. Why did you do it? It has nothing to do with logic, said the drowning scorpion. It's just my nature. It's just my nature. It is our nature not to be good. Now, folks, when it talks about sins uh, in the New Testament, it's not only talking about our murder, you know, and, uh, you know, kind of the big bad sins, because most of us don't do that, thank God. But it's talking about those smaller things that can creep in and slowly devour us. We've got a couple of lemon trees and a couple of orange trees, and I never see that jolly locust. He sees me coming and he does his little bit. Or she, whoever. But I know every morning there is less 
leaves on the tree because the locust has been there. And wait till I catch him or her. I'll invite you to the funeral. At the end of the day, it's those little things that nibble away that we don't even notice. And before we know it, we're going down. And sometimes it's too late. You know the story of my beautiful late father? Very clever man, but could never acknowledge he had a drinking problem. Could never acknowledge that there was something wrong. Eventually it killed him. Cirrhosis of the liver comes very slowly and it can't, you cannot recover. You cannot recover. And so this, and no matter how clever you are, as long as you uh, carry on with those little things that you think are not too bad, they will, be, they will bring your end. And so we live in a day and age where we don't want to acknowledge that our heart is deceitful above all things. We don't want to acknowledge that, that we are beyond cure from a spiritual perspective without Christ. And so we begin to justify certain things and we begin to call them mistakes. And folk, I want to be faithful to the truth from the pulpit or else I don't belong here. And I apologize in advance if this is offensive. But let me say, according to my understanding of the scriptures, that abortion is wrong. It's not a woman's right and choice. That adultery is not just a simple affair. That when we bend the truth, it is a lie. That sexual perversion and sexual orientation and all these things are uh, difficult to deal with. But friends, we've got to acknowledge that there is something wrong with us. We cannot be bending the truth to call it a mistake. It is the truth and it's rebellion against God. One man went to the library and he said, uh, I'm a business person and can you give me a book on business ethics? And the librarian went to, to, she said, we've only got one book on business ethics. She went to the shelf and said, even that book has been stolen. <laughs> That's the day and age that we live in, that anything goes. And the result of denying our heart condition is deceiving ourselves. And that's falsehood. No wonder John writes in verse 8, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Why? Because Christ is not in us. And they thought that they know about God and it's all good. Well, he says we deceive ourselves. The word deceive, planomen, means to plan to lead astray, to, to lead aside from the right way. We actually plan. Now, I'm not saying we don't struggle. We plan that and know what is right and know what is wrong. Folk, I grew up pretty naughty. And I, would, I was very God conscious. My parents taught me, okay, we were sent to church and I, I knew who God was. But I would wake up every morning with my whatever big headache and hangover and whatever it was. And I would say, God, don't forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my stupidity. Because I've got to be stupid to carry on doing what I know is wrong. It's a condition of the heart. Condition of the heart. And he says to them, we make him out to be a liar. In other words, we insult God and his word has no place in our lives. Friends, we can have 10 of these at home and different translations on our phones. But if we don't know what it says, it's dangerous. Because one of the things that it says 
is that the wages of sin is death in Romans 6.23. And that's good news. That's good news. Because when, once we acknowledge that, we can acknowledge the free gift of God is eternal life. See, we need a savior. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. God sent you and I a savior that went to the cross. That went to the cross for you and for me. We cannot deny who we are. We're rebellious by nature. Many times we deny it. But thank God we can deal with it. And how do we deal with it? Well, 1 John chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word confess or molorhomen means to agree with, to agree with, not to deny it. It means to praise and celebrate the outcome and the result. If we confess it, we agree that there is something wrong. And we agree to go and deal with it. So the alternative to denying sin is to take hold of it because we begin to walk in the light. And that's the key to fellowship with God. And the word fellowship, kinonia, means close participation. Not to pop in to where God is every now and then, but allow Him to guide us and lead us every moment of the day. That when we do go uh, off on our own tangent, when we do fall short, that He's there to harass us. Harass me, Lord, so I stay close to the path. He's there to make me miserable. Yes, please. So when I am like that, I can come and say, Father, forgive me, for I am not good news. You see, John writes and he tells them that uh, the, the desire to avoid sin altogether is not really possible. But if we confess, if we come to terms and say we need help, and he's not writing to perfect people, and uh, we know that we are far from perfect, but he reminds us, if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. And the word he uses there uh, is the word parakliton, which is the same word that's used in John chapter 14, where he will leave us the comforter and the counselor. The one who will come para, alongside, and speak on our behalf. It's what we call the advocate. One who will speak and plead for somebody else's cause. One who will come and beg. Now that's a foreign word in this uh, modern day and age. To beg. Yes, to beg. He begs on your behalf and on my behalf. He entreats. He comes before the Father and he says, Father, please do not abandon this child. 
Father, please let us give him the Holy Spirit so he will be guided. Father, let us not uh, forsake this child. And the advocate pleads on your behalf and on my behalf. Because he can, because of who he is. And he speaks to the Father in our defense. Why? Because he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He, he paid the price for you and for me. And he can plead our case. And because of Christ's death, God has made a way for you and for me to deal with our sin. Not to deny it. Not to redefine it. Uh, not to hide it. But to actually face it. And that uh, is to confess it. That is to come in agreement with who uh, God is and to confess it. There's a story about two sisters that kept up this feud for 30 years. And they thought only on our deathbed will we say sorry to each other. And folk, if you look at human nature, you speak to hospital chaplains a lot of times and in hospitals... Uh, on their dying bed, people want to say sorry. But the human nature is a little bit rebellious. And the story goes uh, about these two sisters. On Matilda's 70th birthday, Alice felt a pang of remorse, but it passed. Yet later, when she heard Matilda was ill, she felt compelled to visit. From her sickbed, Matilda looked sternly at her sister. At least, she said in a faint voice, the doctors say... I'm seriously ill, Alice. If I pass away, I want you to know that you're forgiven. But if I pull through, things stay as they are. <laughs> Friends, by confessing it, we agree with God and we come into fellowship with Him and we admit the truth and something amazing begins to happen. He purifies us. The word that's used there is catharsis. It's cathartic. He cleanses us. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And we can say with absolute confidence that we have been forgiven. Why? Because he is faithful and just. As you sit here this morning, what do you do with sin? You cover it up. As long, when, as long as no one knows about it, it's all good. If I get caught, then I'm going to acknowledge it. Do we cover it up? Do we pretend it's not there? Or do we begin to say that I'm wrong and we begin to deal with it? So the way to be right is to admit that we're wrong. The way to be right is to admit that we're wrong. And then the cathartic process begins to take place. The process that says, I'm not in this on my own. I have other brothers and sisters that can relate to my situation. That can relate to my brokenness. That want to walk the road with me. That's why we gather on a Sunday morning to praise God. And because we have fellowship with him and with one another. And we know that the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin.
I beg you, before you leave this place this morning, don't walk around with that guilt. Come and make right with God and allow him to let that burden roll off so you can lift up your na his name with absolute confidence and with a clear heart. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that it's not by might nor by power, but only by your Holy Spirit that we're able to come before you, Lord, and acknowledge that we are sick. Jesus, just as you said, that it's those who are sick that need a doctor. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to give us the remedy for our sins, for our sickness, for our rebellion. Come and cleanse us, Lord. Convict us by your Holy Spirit so we can be pure and serve you in spirit and in truth. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.